Hello and welcome back to the Corridor of Uncertainty podcast. It's the final episode of our Premier League Guide series. It's been a great series to record. Myself and Ben have thoroughly enjoyed having various fans on from various clubs. Everyone that's come on, it's been an absolute honour to record with you. Um, thank you once again for coming on. It's been great. Um, in this episode, we are taking on our final few teams, the big boys, the contenders, if you can call them that. We've got a Manchester United fan and an Arsenal fan on together. Um, it's Carl and Ash from the In the Name of Football podcast. We've then got a Manchester City fan in Crunk, uh, Crunk Chocolate from the Shades of Blue podcast. Uh, podcast? Podcast. Um, and then finally we end with a mystery Liverpool fan, which you'll have to wait and see who we get there because it's um, it's an interesting one, an interesting person as well. Um, so yeah, enjoy and we'll speak to you at the end. Thank you. Right, first up on this week's episode, it's our first double header of the series. We've got a Manchester United fan and an Arsenal fan in Ash and Carl, hosts of the In the Name of Football podcast. Ash and Carl, how are you? And do you want to tell us a bit about yourselves and the podcast? Yeah, so um, I'm Ash, I'm the Arsenal fan. Um, and yeah, we sort of started, I can't, when was it like 2021 was it we started? Um, and then we had a previous co-host with us and we, we were sort of getting to grips with everything, just sort of having a, a chat about everything in general. Um, that stopped for about a year or so. Um, and then, yeah, um, we picked me and me and Carl picked things back up. And um, coincidentally, it, with our first episode was the Liverpool 7, uh, Manchester United nil one. Uh, so obviously a great return for Carl there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, literally. It's just uh, we we just well, if you if you didn't know, we're a father son. Um, well, you can probably tell um, we're a father son <laughs> combo, and uh, yeah, we just love talking about football. So we just thought, and Ash is into um, he's he's a freelance journalist. So um, it I just thought kind of like it was he was at university, and I thought that might. It might help him a bit and yeah we, we we certainly picked up some good guests along the way at the start and now it's just a case of getting back to back to where we were really yeah um, it's, uh, it's great stuff I, i've given it a listen I, I think i've managed to find someone that rates to hay or even less than i do having a listen <laughs> to a couple of podcasts um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's good stuff we'll we'll, because obviously the rest of this series we've had one guest on at a time but we'll kind of chop and change between Arsenal and Man United as we talk about last season and getting into next season um but we'll kick off with you Ash an unbelievable season but do you how do you how do you see it how do you see it as it kind of went through it because obviously at some point you must have thought hello this is on and then at some point it was off And, and and at the end of it how do you kind of look back on that as a as a whole yeah, I mean, I was I was pretty confident for a lot of it, you know. I don't know, maybe not like sort of confident. Obviously, just sort of how we were playing. There was always a chance. So obviously, I always knew that City were, you know, a City at the end of the day. Um, but I, you know, the closer and closer we got, there was a few sort of results that you know just seemed to go our way. Um, Aston Villa, where we sort of got a couple of last minute goals. The Bournemouth one, and you're thinking, right, this is the sort of sign of what title winners do. But then, yeah, I think sort of, um, you know, the Liverpool result where we where we uh, drew 2-2 and West Ham threw that away there, Southampton as well. Just that was when it's sort of tumbling, you know, everything was sort of centred around Saliba, I think, you know, as soon as he went, um, the performances took a big drop. Um, but no, it's unfortunate. I mean, I was, I was, 
happy with, with what happened. Obviously, in the time, it's hard to sort of, you know, have a little bit of perspective on it because considering where we were the year prior to that, um, you know, all we wanted last season was to get Champions League football. Um, so to actually be in with the title, in for the title, was you know overachieving. So at the end of the day, we still reached our goal, got the top four. So you know, overall, I'm you know happy with where we are and the signs of progression and the outlook for you know this, this season now coming up is pretty good. So yeah, I'm, I'm in general, I'm pretty happy. Yeah, I mean, I was like, if, I, I saw the thing. If you if you swap the results and put them in reverse and Arsenal end the season how they started it, then it's an unbelievable season. But because it was the other way around, uh, it obviously looks a lot worse um, at the end of it. But it is, yeah, like you say, if 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 you offered that at the start, you'd definitely take it without a shadow of a doubt. Um, yeah, on, sure. on to the Man United side of things. It was like, it seems like so long ago, if you look at back at the state of play at the start of the season, Ronaldo's still there, Brentford and Brighton causing problems early on, um, big problems at that as well. And how how does how does Ten Hag's first season um, go down in your books? Uh, for me, he's just he's absolutely just torn up trees. To be fair with you, I mean, uh, to get to a cup final or two cup finals and near enough get into the top three. You know, I would have been happy with the top four and potentially a cup final or a good couple of cup runs. You know, that would have done me because uh, it's all about progression and, you know, and getting that stability back into the club and having someone running it properly how we, how they should be. And and me and Ash always compare Manchester United and Arsenal and it's very, very similar to how Arteta and Ten Hag are dealing with things uh, with a big ego in the Bamiyang at Arsenal and how they dealt with him is very similar to how United and Ten Hag dealt with Ronaldo, you know. Um, you can't have anyone stepping out of line and no, you know, bigger than the best player in the world, no one bigger than him. And Ten Hag just wasn't having it. And I think the the individual battles he won um, gave him that platform. Uh, so the Maguire incidents and obviously with Ronaldo and, you know, I'm sure we'll go on to it with De Gea. He only continually played him because it was the best he had. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think from where we were, um, it was quite evident at the beginning. Ronaldo had the issues during the summer, and then Ten Hag dealing with that how he saw fit. Um, I still think that Ronaldo should have stayed there, etc., and they, he should have accepted the bit part role that he was evidently offered, um, and he just wasn't willing to accept that, you know. And um, he probably would have fitted into Ten Hag's plans around that, and actually given United a bit more. And who knows what could have happened if he had stayed and accepted that bit part role, you know, coming on with half an hour to go and destroy him teams potentially yeah. um but as a whole i think what ten Hag done last season like i couldn't have asked for any more you know um i think the key battles were where were one off the pitch to give him the platform to progress on the pitch without without a shadow of a doubt that was the biggest thing what happened and um i was delighted and i long may it continue <laughs> Yeah, and obviously you had like this. You say the off the pitch stuff that like this likes of De Gea now is gone, so that might kind of allow Ten Hag to change his style of play. And then Maguire obviously being stripped of the captaincy as well. Do you think we'll see a different side or a lot more like a the next stage of a, of a Ten Hag side next season? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's evident that Ten Hag likes to play football from the back, um, and that was evident against the, the in the Brighton and Brentford games early on, uh, and then. You know, it progressed throughout the season where we just gave up possession so easily and the turnover of the ball was so quick. 
with Manchester United, you could put like two or three passes together and then we'd, we'd lose the ball, you know? Um, so yeah, you know, but then equally when we lost the ability to play it from the back and it was clear that the Haya wasn't capable of it and we were going long, again, we gave up the ball really quickly. Um, so bringing in Adrian, Andre Anana is absolutely gonna, it's gonna bring new levels to the, to the Manchester United style of play and Ten Hag style of play. Um, it's very critical and I've been very vocal in my displeasure with David De Gea over a number of seasons, to be fair with you. Um, but I think, although I also stated that I think that getting a new goalkeeper was probably more than the important than buying a striker. Like, I think people are like, well, that's crazy. But no, you know, it's an integral part of how we play. You've got a player from the back nowadays and it's clear and obvious that even in the pre-season games, although we haven't been playing teams off the park, etc., um, Anana has just he's absolutely changed the way we play already. And I think it's crucial. I think Ten Hag will, I think he'll be ready to go. And I think Ash even said it in one of our in our preview show last night how you can it's actually quite frightening with the team he's building now. And Anana seems to be like probably the final piece in that jigsaw. Yeah, uh, and and back to you, Ash, on your goalkeeping scenario as well there's been links with um there's been links with Raya which is perhaps surprising for for a few people because obviously Ramsdale was a big part of that side he's, he's a big voice um so that's surprising and but also on the other like transfers you've done a lot of business um a lot of names in the door you've got a decent squad there now do, do you think you can go one better next season with that well yeah and I, th- I think the whole whole plan was obviously just to you know add strength and depth um and i think that's the exact reason why we're going for raya um because obviously as well as ramsdale's done i don't think matt turner is ever really going to be able to push him to be um the number one and you know i like ramsdale i think he's a great character and i don't think he'd intentionally like sort of take his foot off the gas or anything but it's just that subconscious thing where you haven't got that competition and someone's really hot on your heels pushing you every week and i think that's why perhaps towards the tail end of like both seasons he's been at Arsenal he's perhaps you know started to make a few more mistakes um a little bit um loose with his passes um just not quite shown the levels that he had earlier on in the first few, sort of few months and I think that's to the whole general process isn't it really like just trying to add more depth and co- competition you know just everyone's constantly fighting um and as you say you, you need that especially with you know you look at City they've basically got two first 11s um so you need to have that uh, in order to challenge uh especially now obviously we're now uh in the champions league so we you know we want to make sure that we're, we're doing well in that it's going to be a level above playing in the europa league um so yeah i'm just i'm just sort of happy in, in what we're doing we're just bulking out the rest of the team really you know a lot of people talking about kai Havertz and you know necessarily does he fit in with arsenal but I just think, again, we're just adding so much more strength and depth across the board. You know, he's so versatile. He can play in so many different positions. And really, it's just going to elevate the squad as a whole. Yeah. Do you uh, think there'll be a problem with getting all these new players in? Like, you've got Rice in. You've got Havertz in. You've got Timber in. Are they all going to start, necessarily? I know Rice will definitely start. But what about the other two? Um. Well, it, obviously, there's always going to be competition for places. And because we're playing... You know, we'll be playing in the Champions League, so 
where, when you're playing in that, you need to sort of keep rotating those tip, those players. You know, again, as I said about Manchester City, a lot of the time you see I'm Eric Laporte on the bench. Um, at times, Carl Walker was on the bench. You know, that's mm. how it is. And you, if you're going to be a quality team, you need you need that players. And you know, okay, there might be some times where you need to manage the squad well because even Guardiola has faced issues with players who have not necessarily, you know, they've been a little bit unhappy with their game time. But that's like part and parcel of it. And that's, you know, the key to man management. You know, Arteta now has to make sure he manages his players and balances them well. Because to be fair, I think at times last season, we were a little guilty of not rotating enough. So then when injuries did come into play, um, you know, the, the players who then come in weren't necessarily up to the same match fitness and weren't quite up to it. And, you know, again, that's perhaps where we, we dropped off. So I think, yeah, that is another key to be fair. Arteta now has to sort of manage the squad well, get the balance right and and use the players across all the competitions. And with, say you do sign Raya, who would you start in goal at the start of the season? I think um, Ramsdale has to be number one, just purely because he's earned that right. But that's exactly what happened when Leno was there. Leno was the starter and Ramsdale overtook him. And that was a, that's a good battle to have, I think. Um mm. And again, if he, if if an injury happened to Ramsdale, you know, all would have is Matt Turner. I wouldn't really be tr- trusting Matt Turner to be the goalkeeper for the first couple of months. So adding that player in, I think is going to be quality. I know I think Raya yeah. himself, his shot stopping ability, his distribution is exactly why you want him. And who knows? Um, I think um, Ramsdale's still a, a few years younger than Raya. So, you know, if Raya can push through... Um, who knows? He could eventually start, but I think the first few weeks will definitely be Ramsdale because he's already sort of earned it. Yeah, I, I agree. And just on, we obviously mentioned in Pep Guardiola and his squad and Arteta being a kind of a disciple of that. The signing to me, I don't know if this will happen, but does it look to you that you might kind of develop into that new style of play that Pep had last season with the three centre backs? Because obviously Timber and, and White can def- definitely do that kind of role, and then Zinchenko has has the capability to go into midfield and play that kind of free to free, whatever the whatever the rest of it was, but that, that kind of start from the back, those guys. Well, yeah, I mean, it, there's all, you're always sort of changing and clearly there's a reason why Pep wanted to change because um, obviously Pep did put, sort of play those sort of inverted full-back roles. Um, you sort of had, um, you know, uh, uh, Cancelo would do it quite often when he was there. Um, and then obviously, again, you've got Zinchenko doing that. And, you know, potentially that is why we're doing it because there is clear weaknesses in that system I think when you have the left back tucking in that can leave a lot of space down the flanks and you know clearly that's why um, Pep noticed that and you know with the more of a a flat back three where the two wider centre backs would push out wide a bit more they looked a hell of a lot more like stable Um, so yeah it'd be interesting I think that's that's the options we've got there's so many different players in there so versatile where if the option does come or we feel like we do need to adapt and change to that, then there's certainly the option because, you know, Keith or can play uh, from the sort of left Gabriel. And as you say, or say uh, white Saliba timber, you know, there's so many options now. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's definitely a, a much stronger looking unit. Um, going back to Man United, then you've also made a fair decent uh, spending in this window so far. You've got Mount and Nana, obviously the main ones. Um, and then looking like, is it Hodgland to come in as well? He signed his contract now as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Are you are you happy? Are you strengthened the areas that you needed to strengthen, or do you think you needed more in? Um, 
you're never happy, right? If you if if you're happy standing still, you sh you should never be happy standing still. Um, and that's when you know gone of the you know the, the era of Alex Ferguson. You know, you used to win a treble and sell free players. And you know, I'll, I'll never forget. You know, obviously, it's just a little short story of like when I remember my Manchester United ended their drought of uh, winning the the the. the the title uh 26 years uh, which we'll probably do it again now 26 years until we're in the next one but um we won the title for the first time in 26 years and i'll never forget my dad was just like devastated I was like, well, what's wrong with you it's like we've, we've sold ints hughes and kinchalskis and like they were an absolute like the instrumental of manchester united in that title winning season um we won a double as well and then we went and signed, well, we didn't sign anyone, actually. We just left it with Beckham, Giggs, you know, it, it, they all came through the class of 92. And the famous, you never win nothing with kids. And then, hey, presto, you win a back-to-back -back double, you know. And then after that, you then, we, we continue our success and we sell, we sell players again. And in comes Dwight York for 12.6 million. And then you win a treble, you know. <laughs> and then you're selling them and you're buying Varane and Van Nistelrooy. And it's just like... So you, you you should never be happy with like rest on your laurels and like I said earlier, I think Anana was an, or a goalkeeper which could have been David Ray. We had this discussion last night where David Ray could have quite easily gone into Manchester United and I would have been happy with that because he was top of the XG for a goalkeeper or expected saves for a goalkeeper. Um, like we looked into that and yeah so Anana obviously that's a I think it's it will be the signing of the summer for Manchester United I think it will you know cue the 1-0 loss to Wolves on the opening day of the season Anana absolute <laughs> shock and like turn on the ball and giving it away to the striker or something like that and we lose to Wolves but yeah um no you look through that side and I think Mason Mount we discussed that last night that was a it's an underwhelming signing because I don't think I've never actually seen this whole this whole, I don't know, this whole beauty of Mason Mount and why people rate him so highly. But again, me when we talked about it last night, uh, you talk about his intelligence around the pitch. He is actually, you know, he's very dynamic. And actually, he probably would free someone like, up like a Bruno Fernandes to go and do his role more than what he currently does. And so Bruno's not having to drop deeper, which is just incredible that we could do that. And you could potentially get more out of Bruno. And, and again, Rasmus Hoyland, you know, um, a lot of people, I think it's because of the name, but Hoyland and Harland, like everyone's going on about how they're like, so different. And I'm like, well, yeah, of course they're different. You know, if if you're going to go on Twitter and expect, uh, or YouTube, etc., and expect them to see Rasmus Hoyland smashing goals in for fun, like you would at Erling Haaland, then forget about it. Yeah. You know, you're going to see a player who drops deep, likes to play with his back to goal, can turn, can get inside the box and can finish. Uh, but it's a different player. And when you look at what Manchester United were trying to do last year under Ve with Veghorst, it makes perfect sense. You've got a more mobile striker. You've got a big, tall lad, six foot three. He's got the ability. He's got bags of pace as well. You know, he knows where the net is. And I think he'll just bring players into into the into the game. Um, so I'm not... Is there I'm any... Not... Go on. Sorry. Is there any part of you... Because you obviously spent quite a lot on him. Would you rather have just added like another 30 million? Well, there's the reports going around that Kane's available for 80. Would you rather have just got Kane? Is there any part like, oh, maybe we should. Uh, I, 
I think it's a very good, it is a good question, but Ash covered this very well when we had the debate on Hoyland. Um, it depends on when Ten Hag thinks he is in the project. And I think this is, you know, sorry, Ash, I'm going to steal Ash's funder here because this is exactly what go, he said. You go, you go. Yeah, no, it, it was perfect, to be fair with you. It depends on where Ten Hag thinks we are in the project. Now, is yeah. Harry Kane going to come and make you a title challenger? Yes, he will. He will score us 20, 30 goals, potentially. There's no given fact that he will. You know, Old Trafford yeah. is notorious for being a Troikas, Troikas graveyard. Um, so there's no guarantees that he will. But I don't think he's going to come in and give it that Van Persie effect where we win the title within the first season. So you've got to look at that as, do you then plough 70 or 60 plus million into a striker who's going to last you 10 years and be part of that project? Or do you just go for a quick fix, which might even be in a hundred, you know, the quotes of a hundred million if he's going to go to a Premier League club and have reported 475 plus a week. Now, under Ed Woodward, we would have given that no problem, you know, probably would have given him 120 million and 600 grand a week and just paid him over the odds. You know, that's that's what we used to do. But I'm actually quite glad that we've actually said, well, no, let's in. I've, I've already said this years ago. Why shouldn't we be investing in players like an Ivan Tony? Why should Ivan Tony go from Peterborough to Brentford? And I know it's a big step, but why can't you take that punt on a player who yeah. has the potential? You know, sixty million for Rashmus Hoyland could end up looking like a bargain yeah. in five years' time when you're talking about strikers going around for like a hundred million pound plus now who are well, really worth a year's time. Yeah. Could be a year's time, he'd be like, Wow, like Salah when we signed him for thirty million. I, I originally was like, oh my God, why have we got this guy in? And yeah. look at him, immediately hit the ground running. And I know money's different now, isn't it? Especially being a United, you get 20 million added on for the United tax, don't you? Yeah, but, well, I'm glad you said that because it does happen, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. Especially with the, like, yeah, it's ridiculous. But I think it's a good signing. I just kind of think maybe you could have got somebody in between. But strikers are hard to come by at the moment. It's Kane. Seems to be on everyone's lips, and then it's Osserman who would have cost ridiculous money. Yeah. I think it's a good signing. Maybe he just I, needed another move in between. I don't know. I, I, I think it's again. I just I think it's part of like you know, do we want if we're going to play with two wingers who are inverted and they're going to rely on the pace because Anthony's actually decided um, deceptively quick. Rashford's quick. Garnacho's quick. You, you, you know, we've also got Diallo who's quick. Would you really want a quick? Would he want a quick striker? I think he'd want someone to play in, you know, drop deep and just pick the ball up off the midfield and play the others in. I think, uh, it, you know, look at Liverpool as a perfect example. For years, Ash didn't rate Roberto Firmino, for example. Now, I never saw that as well. I was like, I don't see this point in him. But actually, Roberto Firmino was actually instrumental in that, that front three and possibly the, the actual main pivotal link of that front three in Mane, Firmino and Salah because he was that dropping deep and given that extra little bit of playing in, et cetera, and allowed them to cut back. Do you, do you, you know what I mean? And he didn't read Firmino. No, he did. He was like oh. a, a striker who scores like 10 goals a season. But like uh, we're saying... No, like it's probably Paul, just my Liverpool agenda of playing in. <laughs> yeah. played there, it's, to be fair. It's just, it's, it's just one of them things, isn't it? It's just, I think, like we said a minute ago, you, you, like you said, strikers who go out and score... 40 50 goals a season nowadays unless you're of uh, you know Erling Haaland sorry like that's like they're not like it's it used to be. it's not like it's yeah it's not like a shearer of the years gone by and it doesn't happen you know um 
So I think, you know, you had so many players like that, Andy Cole, Stan Collymore, they all, Michael Owen, Robbie Fowler, it was a race of who would be the top goal scorer in the Premier League. That doesn't happen like it used to with strikers. You know, it's like Salah's not a striker, he's a winger. You know, Rashford last year, 30 goals plus, he's a striker, you know, he's a winger. You know, um, Saka last year, Bagsman, you know, he's bagging for Arsenal, Martinelli. You know, you Well, don't it's sort have... of how it's going, isn't it? Like, Yeah. you know, like Arsenal, we don't really have that focal striker who's sort of out and out your, your goal scorer, you know, instead we've got like Jesus, who again, probably more similar to a sort of Firmino role, dropping a little bit deeper, linking Yeah. the play and allowing the wingers to go forward. And I think that's sort of what you're going to get in Hoyland. I think he's more of a complete forward. Um, Yeah. he's got sort of everything he can do, sort of do it all, I think, as you sort of have said. Um, and again, another big thing is that sort of his characteristic um, of uh, his mentality of relishing the challenge, as you quite rightly said, you know, playing for Manchester United can be a striker's graveyard. But uh, I think the key thing with him is that it's just his attitude and he he's just willing to take anything on. Um, and he's not afraid of backing out of the challenge. And that's exactly what you need. You know, if, if you're going to spend that amount of money on, on a player, he needs to... you know he needs to be able to handle the pressure especially playing for Manchester United so yeah I think I think in general I think it's a good thing and as we said sort of said you know it's the long-term overall project because realistically I don't know I don't think I'm not I'm not too sure if United are quite there because you know we, we sort of said yesterday as well um, you know no backup for Casemiro as of yet which I think is one of the main issues um, defense Mm. Don't again start Luke on Casemiro. He don't like him one bit. <laughs> I've I've got Casemiro on fraud watch to to say the least. oh well. Oh dear. <laughs> this is going well. You need to you need to like it's. I think it's actually. I actually kind of get where you're probably coming from because Casemiro. I was a bit like seventy million. That's a lot of money. Well, it's probably sixty million. But Sky Sports love to add all our add-ons on and make it look like we spent a fortune on a player. Um, but obviously. Then when I went to Old Trafford and I saw him play and I was like, right, now I get it. And I think he was the same. He came with me to a game and went, yeah, I get it. Yeah, it was just like, he's, he walks off the pitch and it's just like, we had Peter Blexley on, like, he summed it up perfectly. Like he went to what, in, in the Milan game and Brozovic was the best player on the park. Went home, watched the highlights. They showed one shot from Brozovic and it went two foot yard past the post. But Casemiro was like, we've, we've been to see him and it's just like, The guy uses class. He is just mad. You don't understand. You don't get it. How You're not under yeah, awful. he walked off You're the not under pitch. awful. You said uh, last year without without him in the Yeah. team, like every time he's suspended, like you're not Yeah. what well, shit. Yeah. 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 Walking That's off the mainly pitch where because my he'd problem been given came. the red. That's the <laughs> Sorry, go. came from is is the the stupid fouls and yellow cards and suspensions he was picking up. It just Yeah. frustrated me so because most of them were just so unnecessary and I know there were some that were like the strangly thing but he didn't need to put himself in that position and that's what just what frustrated me and and it because Yeah, that's it was true. happening oh, time and time again I'm like brilliant you can be that unbelievable midfielder but if they're not if you're not there when you need it it's a waste of time Yeah, no, it, look, it, it, I get it. I, I really do. But um, I kind of, we've kind of gone down a tangent there. But um, yeah, he, it, it's one of them things. If you if you go and see him play, you you you'll, you 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 see the fuss. You understand why. And I He's just got think five that Champions I think. I, League for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's also a thing of that he kind of 
there was a, there was um, the one against Southampton where he got sent off. Now, I mean, Ash had a massive debate about this, but later on in the season, there was fouls ten times worse than that, and he didn't get sent off. So I think like that reputation preceded him, like that one where he grabbed um, Spingy by the throat, didn't he? That yeah. Southampton was it Southampton when he grabbed Palace, uh, uh, someone someone by the throat, didn't he? He grabbed so oh Will Hughes at Palace, yeah, you're yeah. right, sorry by the throat. Now. You know, you're going to make a run for your own back, aren't you? Eventually, people are going to start picking up. And I think it's one of the things in the media, if it's highlighted, then people will start looking for that, won't they? You know, like Ronaldo used to with his apparent falling over, you know, his diving. It's not. It's just highlighted. So then people are starting to look for it. Um, so, yeah, I think he just become a bit of a target with he made a rod for his own back as well. But. Yeah, he'd become a target. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and just to, because we've got a, a little bit more time, do you want, if we have, maybe if we go to Ash uh, and we talk about what kind of, what are you expecting for next season? Um, would, yeah, what are your, like, what would you take? And then what do you think is, is like a best case scenario? Obviously, competing on two fronts. Uh, is, is the aim to, to go one step further or is it to consolidate what you've got and make a good run in Europe as well? Um, why are you laughing? Why? Because oh, well, you hit me yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Win the title, basically. Um, but no, um, I think we've got to go for the league. Um, you know, really glad that we're back in the Champions League, of course. And if we didn't get past the, the groups, I'd be pretty disappointed. But I think everyone wants the league. Um, I think the expectation now is kind of we have to sort of challenge for it. And if we don't, a lot of Arsenal fans are going to be disappointed but I think you have got to be realistic and see, you know, the Premier League is so competitive. Every All the teams are strengthening. You know, look how good, like Newcastle, uh, United, obviously, as we're talking about, you know, you're going to expect teams like Chelsea and Liverpool are going to sort of improve after last season. You could already see the progress Liverpool were making towards the end of last season as well. So you've got to be realistic in the fact that it's not going to be easy. And perhaps maybe we did miss our chance last year where, you know, Chelsea and Liverpool weren't quite up to the same standard. Um, but, you know, I think, I think we, I think what the focus will be the league. And I think, I think we should be able to challenge again, at least. And then, yeah, I'll stick my neck out on the line and say we'll win it this year. I like it. I I, I admire the confidence. <laughs> I did that last season. We came fifth. And then back to Carl for Man United. I think like it's pretty much like everyone has accepted you kind of like a step behind Arsenal. I, I don't think that league is is on in my opinion. Anyway, is it a matter of again getting top four and then and, and pushing on and, and getting another cup, maybe another domestic cup or something like that well yeah I, I i don't think in terms of you know i don't think manchester are behind arsenal in in true in true respects of it i, I honestly don't i think they i think for arsenal are further line, down the line with arteta but i don't think in terms of the team i think that they are very very close now um again q of 4-0 loss at the emirates on the beginning of september but um no um I, I, but I'm a bit more realistic than Ash because they won the league four times last season. I think they won in December, <laughs> January, March, and then eventually they bottled it in Ash's head round about the time City were crowned champions. But yeah, um, for me, I'm going to say, like, you know, as long as we continue the, the progression and uh, top three again, top three, but potentially get into the second spot, potentially make a challenge for it, although I can't see anyone touching City at present. Um, 
and a, a good couple of domestic runs and, and get into the, the latter stages of the Champions League is where I think it's at, you know, and you, and you build upon that and you don't, I, so I said to Ash last night, and again, it's I'll make it a quick one, is that it's like um, over expectancy. And I think Arsenal fans are very notorious for, or a minority of Arsenal fans, which then make it a majority because of social media. Yeah. Um, if Arsenal won the league last year, that could have been very, very detrimental to the progression under Arteta because they would have been expecting it. Like now, Ash has quite rightly said that they, the next progression is to be challenging for the title. But will Arsenal fans, like the majority, should I say, the, the minority of Arsenal fans won't accept that actually Arsenal overachieved last year. So if they did finish second or third this year, that is still pro potentially progression because they were overachieved last year, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, but then you'll have some fans will be like, well, no, we should be challenging for the title. And that, that's where it's at. And probably demanding Arteta out. But for me, United, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it, it's continuing the progression. Top three, good couple of cup runs again and getting into the last stage of Champions League. That, I'd be absolutely delighted. Yeah, I, I agree. I, it's always it's always the loud minority. I think is is the is the ones that you you mm. hear on Twitter and stuff. And it's for every club, um, so it is frustrating to see. I guess if you've got like a, a real perspective of what's going on, and then it's of, uh, often the negativity is what comes out quickly. When it's all going well, then the loud minority is, is it seems to dis disappear a little bit. But the second yeah. it seems to go wrong, um, everything blows up. Um, but yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, if you want to shout out your podcast again and tell us where you can, all, where everyone can find you, um, it's, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Um, it's um, yeah, great to have you both on, and we'll catch up throughout the season um, because I am looking forward to seeing how Arsenal and Man United fare, and, and we'll come back and, and see yeah. if, we're, if we're looking like uh, geniuses or, or idiots. As that <laughs> well, yeah, and, and same again. Like obviously, we'll have you guys on when our teams play against each other, and uh, it'll be uh, it'll be quite entertaining, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a QPR fan, so that won't be happening for me. Who knows? Get me on the cup. Yeah, our podcast, well, yeah, in the name of football, we're on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it these days at ITNOF podcast. Um, basically, just search in, in the name of football um, on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook. We're all on there everywhere now. Yeah, right. we're there, and we try and and we try to bring out um, episodes every Monday for you. Um, we just generally chat all things football. The majority of it is Manchester United and Arsenal, unfortunately. Um, well, unfortunately for some, but then we do touch on everything football as well. It's not just us, you know. There is yeah. other things we do. And we we have special guests on. We have guests on from other clubs as well. You know, it, it's great to talk football, right? That's why we do it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, guys, and we will speak to you again soon. Thank you. Yeah, thank no, you very much. much. Right, our next guest on the podcast is Crunk Chocolate. Oh, easy for me to say. Crunk Chocolate <laughs> from the Shades of Blue podcast. Uh, we'd like to tell us a bit about yourself and a bit about the podcast. Well, first off, thanks for having me on. Uh, like you said, my name is Crunk Chocolate. I am aware that that is a fun name for people to say. I very much love having the English say it for the first time. <laughs> so uh, thank you for that. Uh, we are Shades of Blue. We are a Manchester City show based in the U.S. We are also all black. That is our thing. Uh, obviously, when you turn it on, you'll you'll see it. It's kind of one of those things to just get it out of the way. But we talk men's and women. We very much get into it. Been at it. This will be our third season. During the off season, 
since there's no football, we do a lot of collaboration with, uh, I, like we do a represent series where I bring on uh, people from other clubs and we talk about the other clubs or I'll bring on writers or people who are tied to the Manchester City bubble who like work for City and things like that. And we do women pods. So last year we did uh, women Euros and this year we're doing one for the Women's World Cup. We love all of football. We just happen to represent City. Yeah, that's great stuff. And we've had a few um, American fans on while we've been doing a series, our Sheffield United fan and our Fulham fan. Um, so how how did you find Man City as an American football fan? How do you how do you fall upon that? Uh, so 2001, uh, FIFA, I was flipping through the leagues and teams, bumped into the Division 2, the Division One, Division Two, whichever it was, and I saw a team called Manchester City. And they were blue, and it was a cool ship. And I'd never heard of them. I naturally, I've heard of United. I didn't like United. I wasn't really big into football at that moment. Yeah, United was all on all any U.S. movie show or whatever, where there was a soccer team, a soccer club, the best team, the bad guys, whatever. It was United. I yeah. just knew I didn't like them. I love the shade of blue. It looks fantastic on me for people who are watching. And I'm sure you noticed. <laughs> uh, and I was all in when I, I grew up playing rugby. So when I played that, I kind of was all into that. Once I quit playing that, I delved more into football when I became a big fan of them, that was Company, uh, Rubinho, Torre, uh, Nigel de Jong, Fernando. There were a lot of players, uh, or Prowse, obviously Richards. There were a lot of players who looked like me, and that was a really cool thing to see. And that was basically it. And I, every year I take it more and more seriously. We started the pod a couple of years ago, and I've been all in ever since. Love it. It's a, it's a great story. I really enjoy um, when we've got the American fans on because it's just a completely different story to how you kind of fall in love with these clubs compared yeah. to like me. I didn't have a choice. It was just QPR. There is a who obviously had a big part in, in Man City's story a few yes. seasons ago. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, I, there was no choice in that. Um, otherwise, I probably would have picked somebody else. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, it's nice to hear this. Nice to hear those stories. But obviously, you, like you say, you've been a City fan for a while. There's been some journey. It kind of felt like it all that whole journey didn't end last season, but it, it came to that peak moment that everyone has been waiting for. The only thing that other clubs had on Man City was that Champions League. Do you want to yeah. talk us a little bit about your experiences, what, what happened last season and how that journey just ended in the best way possible? Yeah, Obviously, the treble, and I wouldn't even say the treble, was the goal. Champions League, to me, was the goal. Yeah. A lot of City fans don't agree with me. They say the Premier League is first and foremost, and I understand that. that It is an English club. That is an English title. You should want to win that. People used the Champions League against City, against Pep, <laughs> There's not many things you could use against both City and Pep at this moment, other than their uh, seemingly inability to win the Champions League. Yeah. Winning that kind of shuts up 
all the other nonsense, I get 115 charges, but anyone who comes at me with that, I don't have conversations with them, honestly, yeah. is because most of the time they don't want to have actual conversation. They just have talking points that are supposed to be like gotchas. I call them thought killing cliches. It's just like a thing that they want me to retort back another thing and we can go on our other way. But if you want to have the discussion, I there was actually an episode where I broke the whole thing down. I took my time and held up, I'm sure my pod mates, because there's three of us or four of us, three others. I'm sure they didn't want me to do it because it was a lot, but I did. I went through, I was like, in, in 2012, 2013, <laughs> I, I have time for, I guess, the naysayers. Um, yeah, I don't even remember what you talked your original question was like going, going is, back to last season how, how amazing yes, it was yes the treble um <laughs> yeah. yes battling all that i just i obviously it's a lot of like anger because <laughs> yeah. of just all that people held so much against us and held that to us to it i guess minimize what the team did over the treble though last team to do it was the other team and in united are opinionated neighbors is what i love to call them <laughs> it we should be able to get respect from that i don't think we're going to get that time will tell i think a lot of people are watching to see what we do this season to potentially be like all right maybe the treble wasn't a fluke they are a great team even though for the previous years there's a centurion season there's a uh, domestic quadruple season there are still years where they've done I guess very impressive things so this trouble uh, the ups the downs having to battle the world cup uh, injuries uh, Halan just coming in in wrecking shop and seemingly not really knowing what he was doing that is kind of the funny thing it really he just made the best of a moment. Kevin put a lot of goals on a platter for him. Yeah. It was wonderful. It it was joyous. It was great. I, I live in Eastern Iowa. I don't even have a supporter club bar that I can go to. So the show, uh, Twitter, we have a really nice community. Shady Gang is what we call people who support our show, listen to our show. We call them Shady Gang, being able to connect and chat with them. Uh, with my pod brethren, that's been very key in, I guess, enjoying the celebration being so far away. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the, the community feel about football, no matter who you support and where you are, that's the that's the thing that makes it. It's it's the yeah. people around you that make, that make football that the moments so more enjoyable, so much more enjoyable. Um, and and you say like last season, obviously that was amazing. Um, but looking ahead to next season, it sounds like you're quite positive that, like you said, that you don't want to prove that the treble wasn't a fluke. And obviously we know you don't win a treble on a fluke, but are you confident that this that, that doesn't drop a little bit? And I said, normality for Man City now is, is, is winning the Premier League, which sounds unbelievable to say. But um, are you confident that it's pretty much more of the same where that came from in, in terms of trophies won next season? No, I the expectation. I'm going to sound like a flip flopper here. The <laughs> expectation every season is to win the Premier League. In theory, that's the expectation for every team, correct? I mean, yeah, 
you know your limitations, you know the teams you're going to be playing against, but every supporter of a club would be like, this is the season we're going to win. We're going to take it over somehow. Uh, See, so you have that proof. They've done it before. So I don't feel too crazy saying that the expectation is that. But I do think there's going to be a drop. I don't care if we win the Champions League at all. If we make it to the final, if we win again, that would be great. But I want to win every domestic uh, title available. I want the Community Shield. I take that very seriously. I take the Carabao Cup very seriously. <laughs> My podmates don't agree with me on these things. Uh, the UEFA Super Cup. That's yeah. something we yeah. haven't had yeah. yet. Well, I want to win those things. If we can win those trophies, the Premier League, if, even if we get the FA Cup, that's still a lot of trophies. Yeah. We don't need the Champions League anymore. That Two trophies, I don't care what two trophies. If we get two trophies this season, I would be very happy. Uh, the focus, we'll get to it, is building our youth. There we have a... Like we'll talk about the squad later. So um, really, I think the focus is just youth. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll, talk, we'll go for the squad now. Then, as you as you mentioned it, obviously last season, Pep kind of re-revolutionised football again with his mm-hmm. new system, uh, and it looks like fullbacks are just gone now. They don't exist anymore. We saw the likes <laughs> of Rico Lewis coming through. Um, obviously Foden in recent years, and, and we know Man City have got such an unbelievable youth squad, but those players. Cole Palmer, another one who we thought maybe would have broken through a bit more by now. And then obviously you have the two guys out on loan at Sheffield United who are still there at the time being. Um, do you Are you expecting to see a bit more of those guys this season then? Uh, yes. I think Pep is going to embrace a two-squad. People, that's a myth that people say we are stacked for each position. And maybe defensively, yes, the way that it's set up. But we have a lot of players that play in multiple positions. And it, it, it just looks fancier than it is. Squad, uh, Pep is notorious for having small squads. He likes it that way. And that's what it feels like. Now, Arsenal, on the other hand, they have <laughs> two, three, four players per position, who only play a certain position. They have stacked up their deck. We're not here. I don't need to be throwing shots at them, but good luck to those people. <laughs> so so do you think, like, so if he likes a small squad, you don't expect, because obviously you've got Los Mares, um for, for one, Gunhan's obviously gone, and Kovacic has come in. It looks like Gradiol will be in the door as well at some point. I mean, that's been going on forever, but you'd imagine that will get it done at some point. Do you think there'll be some big, more big names or do you think it will be the importance of, of pushing that youth a bit more? Yeah. Once Varial gets announced, I think Laporte's leaving. The, the reports were Athletic Bilbao, uh, him going back home. I'm okay with that. I He's a great player. I have a shirt with his name on the back. I thought he was going to come. Him and Stones were going to be the future of City's back line. I was half right, I guess. Uh, Yeah, I think Kovacic, Perone is going to get a lot of time. I think Phil's going to get a lot of time in that central position, the way that it's set up. Pep is going to play technically four in the back, but one's going to be 
either Rico or Walker or Cancelo if we can't offload him somewhere. Yeah. He, Pep is going to adjust the formation where it's going to be similar to last year, but it's going to be tweaked because teams will have probably made the proper adjustments to our new system. Yeah, I think... I don't know if obviously it's it's unbelievable. And when when he first did it, people were just like, "What is going on? Why is John Stones there?" <laughs> um, and 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 obviously he's proved proved this an unbelievable system. I think we'll see a lot of other clubs go for that, especially the likes of Liverpool. We saw a kind of similar thing with Trent moving more into midfield. Wouldn't be yeah. surprised if Chelsea and that do start to go there. It's not my favorite of of the pet formations that he's done but it is it is something new uh, and like you say we're going to continue to see it um do you do you worry that people might figure it out or is it just too good so i've seen the adjustment that he's done it's now like Kalan up top and then he has the three midfielders a left right and a center and the center can that's where i think we're going to see like phil and cole palmer maybe Alvarez when he's playing more centrally. Uh, Bernardo can play on the right. I think the two pivot spots, instead of it being John Stones, it's going to be the Roger and KDB, Roger and Kova, KDB, Kova. In that way, John Stones can move up whether he wants to or not now because of last year he played in that position often enough that he's comfortable. Yeah. I think he's going to be playing a more defensive position but be used as a midfielder. If Pep could get his way, he would play on with 11 midfielders on the pitch. That is including a keeper. And I think, like you said earlier, that, that if, if Pep wants a small squad, that versatility of those players is, is crucial. And Yes. That, that yes. makes sense. But uh, with with the likes of Mares and Gundahan out the door, do you worry a little bit, from a goal-scoring point of view, those two guys... Not that they're hitting crazy Harland numbers or or like that, but it, important goals in important games, those two guys provided a lot. And although Kovacic is a great signing, and myself and Pemp, who's who's not here at the moment, love him. It's not. It doesn't feel quite like for like in terms of goal threat. Yeah, uh, you are correct. Players are going to have to step up. Gundo wasn't necessarily known as a goal scorer. But he was clutch. When yeah. he scored a goal, they were needed. He came back, helped us come back for Villa. Very key. Him and Raheem Sterling, they were the ones who started it. Same thing with Mahrez. He was he was our killer. In Champions League, if he came on, a goal was happening. We are going to need people to step up and be that person. We're going to find out the truth about Phil Foden. We're going to find, actually, I was going to say we're going to find out the truth about Grealish, but I very much, I'm on Grealish's bandwagon, 100,000% people in the city spectrum. They're kind of not happy for him. What Grealish does, what I see, yes, he's getting fouled, but it's psychologically uh, the way that the play, the, the, why can I not think of the anyway? The flow of the match is key because a lot of times we're struggling to score, yeah. and then he gets that foul. A lot of the times, City have scored off of him earning a corner or him earning a foul right outside the box. 
you don't have to score the goals. You don't have to get the assists to be the man and, and what he brings. Even on top of the energy, the swagger, our show, we call him the Gucci Puma because he has sponsorship deals with Gucci and Puma. Uh, the energy he brings, the Pep was known for having these short, small schoolboys and with Kalan coming in, with Grealish, Akanji, honestly, even. Uh, these people with an edge, Diaz, even, he's a pretty boy, but he likes to get down. And those are things that are needed to keep a team great for a while. Uh, yes, you can do your things, but how is the team going to evolve? And I think we're going, we're watching the team evolve. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know you mentioned Foden a little bit earlier on as well. I think it is a big season for him. I'm a big fan of him. I kind of, I was unsure going into this season because there's a lot of hype and it, it seems up and down, but I've watched a lot more of him and, and kind of kept an eye on him in, in, this, in this starts and his close control is unbelievable. It's just, yes. just want to see him on, on a, in the team starting like a majority of the season. I, I think with the outgoings, that could be a really big thing for him this season. I agree. I think it's going to be he, his, with his back to the goal, the way that he can catch the ball and just like sweep and then just accelerate. It's gorgeous every time. Yeah. It's, it's so good to watch. And, and finally then just to wrap it up, if you could uh, give us kind of a, your expectation, if, if you're looking ahead and you've got that future in front of you, what, what are you reading off to me? What's going to happen next, next season for Man City in your opinion? Yeah. Two, three trophies. I do think that's going to happen. Three is great. Uh, I do see us winning the Premier League again, winning it four years in a row. That is something no team has ever done. Yeah. Uh, City find ways to find inspiration. And I think that's what it's going to be. That is why I do think Pep is going to rotate a lot on our other competitions and we can be caught sleeping because we'll be using players who might not start in a Premier League match which is great, which is honestly great for next season and the season up to that because these players need to play. Premier League will win that. Carabao and the UEFA Super Cup. If we win those three, I would say a success. This is an A season. Anything more than that, I'm going to over-celebrate. But if we only win the Premier League and if we honestly don't win any after the treble, I'm I'm thankful to have experienced the treble. I'm yeah. not angry. I'm not going to flip. There's no Tiki out. There's no Pep at. I'll, I block any of those people immediately. That's so that, like I'm not any, I'm uh, eternally grateful. I have been a fan from 01. I did so much research into it because I'm an American. I wanted to be respectful in all those things. And now that I do love the sport the way that I do, I completely understand. Uh, I, yeah, I'm I'm happy to be here. Uh, I have a little like jokingly beef on the uh, with Luton Town on the podcast, and so what I've just been saying lately is I am like Luton Town. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's absolutely <laughs> fair enough, and and I think you will have another good seat. I think that fourth that fourth Premier League is is really. Yeah. really important to, well mm -hmm. important in like putting your names in a history books like getting that champions league done if you can if you can do something that nobody else has done then that um that really cements that that spot as a, as one of these giant clubs that you i guess get kind of 
called out for um, by the by the likes of Man United and and those guys. Um, yeah. but, but personally, I'm, I wish you all the best um, as a, as a QPR fan. I, I've got no problem with Man City. I'm very happy for them to keep winning. Um, I, I've never had an interaction with a Man City fan that I, I've I've been offended by. I think generally right. all quite lovely guys and yourself it's been a pleasure to talk to you this evening uh and we'll definitely catch up over the course of the season as well if that's all good with you yeah no any anytime hit us up where there's multiple of us i work from home so i'm the most available i'm trying to get them in more hit us up anytime listeners we're shades of blue podcast you can find us anywhere youtube all those others spotify apple whatever and uh shades of blue pod on twitter and shades of blue on tiktok and all those other things yeah lovely great stuff thank you very much for coming on and we will cheers cheers yes right our final guest on the podcast is a very special guest um it's a young man called ben from the corridor uncertainty podcast he is our liverpool expert today hello ben how are you yeah, thanks for having me on, mate. Uh... No, it's me, and I'm back. Yeah, I'm ready to spread some knowledge. Yeah, we've got Ben on. Um, we just didn't have a choice. He's here. He's our resident football expert. Um, so didn't have much choice when it came to Liverpool um, for him to represent. Um, but yeah, oh, it's going to be like all of the other uh, guests that we've had on. I'm going to fire some questions about um Liverpool at him and he will answer them. Um but Hopefully. just while 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 we're on the guest front, I just want to say thank you to everybody that's come on. It's been a great series for us. These five episodes have probably been the best five episodes that we've recorded, definitely in terms of like uh the listeners that we've had as well. Um but we've just really enjoyed having and uh, different people that we've never normally yeah. talked to before. Um so been really great fun as well. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um and plenty yeah, more is. guests to come throughout the season for sure. Maybe um, we'll get an actual Liverpool expert on at some point. Maybe, maybe. We'll see how this goes. Um, so, Ben, looking back to the start of last season, you predicted Liverpool top of the pile. What yeah. happened from then to the end of the season? Give me a give me a little summary of, of last season and what went wrong. <laughs> Literally going into that podcast, I just want to add, I had City on top of the league, on top of the, the uh, table. Got to the last second and then was just like, nah, I'll just say Liverpool. I'll put it on line. Um, going in, basically, I don't, I think the, one of the massive problems was getting rid of Mane. So immediately you're into a transitional period. Like Firmino hadn't been hitting the same numbers to start with. And then you get rid of probably the star player from the season before. Uh, so, and we put all our hopes on this 22-year-old from Uruguay, who I think we'll probably talk about in a bit and I'll talk about him then. But like, he was never going to be the the perfect Mane replacement, was he, realistically? Um, Mane was such a good player. Went to Bayern for quite cheap as well. We probably should have at least tried to get more money out of that. But overall, I don't think we signed uh, well enough. We, I think also with our transfer strategies going into last season, we'd sort of pinned all our hopes on Bellingham, like wanting to join us the next season and sort of chose to not upgrade any players in the midfield so that we could start saving all this cash for Bellingham. Um, I don't want to say... and. I, I don't agree with when Liverpool say, oh, we're on a we're on a shoestring budget because a lot of Liverpool fans do. And that frustrates me because um, we're not on a shoestring budget. We've, we've spent big over the last few seasons. You know, Van Dijk, Alisson, Nunes, 
Sabozlai now, who we'll get onto again. Uh, Cater, is that like these have all been over fifty million pound signings? So you can't say we're on a shoestring budget because we've we've signed some big players, but we've just pinned all of our hopes on getting this English chap this season coming in. Obviously, our performances weren't we weren't in the Champions League. We don't have as much cash as Madrid. But why would you? Why? Why? Where would be the choice be between Real Madrid who? beat us in the Champions League final, have got Champions League football, our constant title challenges and where we are now, where we finished fifth in the league, we've got Europa League and it doesn't look like we're going to title challenge this season. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, that midfield, and we'll, we'll get into next season now, because that midfield was a problem. It's been a clear problem. It was the undoing, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, but it was clear last season what the problem was. And then this season, and obviously we've still got a month to go and we'll talk about what, what else you think we need for yeah. the door and who they might be. You've got obviously McAllister in the door and Sabozla as well, let's say. But you've if you look at the numbers that you've lost, bear in mind that we were already thinking you needed midfielders. You've lost Henderson, yeah. you've lost Milner, you've lost Cater, you lost Fabinho. That's four midfielders. In and Ox. And Oxlade-Chamberlain. That's, yeah, so that's yeah. five midfielders. Very Varying ability, of course, but still, that's five midfielders from a midfield that already needed upgrading. And, you've and we've gone from we've gone from having no progressive midfielders and all these defensive ones to just having these progressive ones. <laughs> like, where's the defending going to be? Curtis Jones. Curtis Jones isn't a defensive midfielder. We're going to put all our hopes on the 18-year-old Stefan Bajetic. Yes, he was good, but was he really good? Or was it just that Fabinho had been playing awfully? Henderson didn't have the legs for it. Milner was about 900. Like, And now we've got rid of Fabinho, who started to look a bit better in that last 10-game stretch of the Premier League season. Wasn't hard because he'd been playing horrifically, you know. And we've got rid of him. We've got rid of Hendo. Oh, I'll tell you, I'll get on to Hendo in a bit. I'm not happy about it. But we can't put all our hopes on Bajetic. And now we're going after another young chap who's just been relegated. Like, I'm not ungrateful because I appreciate the signings. But if it was down to me, I'd be, this might sound ridiculous, I'd be pushing for like a Kimmich. I'd be pushing for someone like, you know, United when they signed Casemiro. Yeah. It's a big statement, that. It's a big statement. Maybe it's time to get somebody in who's more established. It's yeah. all well and good make, like, looking for the future. But we tried to do that with Bellingham. We didn't get him. Let's use this money for someone who's going to improve the squad, who's going to come in and make the difference. We can't be putting our hopes on Trent either. There's no guarantee that he's going to start in midfield. Yeah, I probably wouldn't want him to, to be honest. And also, he's another. Even though he's a defender that might be playing in midfield, that still he's still not a defender. Even if he plays in midfield, he's not no. a midfield. His biggest problem is his defending. So yeah. why are we going to put him into a, a position that is probably? arguably more important defending than the position he's currently in. Yeah. I mean you know, I, I think with Klopp he'll he'll still I think he'll do similar to the end of last season. So it won't quite be like John Stones. It'll be a slight variation of that where yeah. Where yeah. he is where he'll right back, into but just midfield. plays in midfield rather than a midfielder. Yeah. Fully. Um but yeah like you say like you need I think the problem with Kim who means business. Yeah you just need you need you need numbers as well. Like you need a few bodies like your forward line in fairness yeah. is pretty stacked that's job done forward line sorted don't touch it like there's options there we've got different types of players which we haven't had in the past to be fair like i like salah mane played similarly 
in a way, if you know, like fast, just direct. Yeah. Whereas now there's Gakpo, there's Jota, there's Nunes, there's Salah still, you know, we've got loads of attackers. Leave that be. I'd like another defender to be fair. I'd like another centre-back yeah. to, to start with. Because I, I love Van Dijk and I love Canate. And I'm hoping Van Dijk bounces back from his probably the worst season in a Liverpool shirt. But I'm hoping he bounces back a, a bit. I'm sure he will. But we still need a player because there's no guarantee Canate is going to be on pitch. He's injury prone. It's Liverpool's problem. Half our team is injury prone. There's no player that I would put money on to play every every game in the season. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. But uh, so who who would you who would you get then? Who what would your be like realistically looking at the links? Who do you need in the door for just any position? Uh, for, as for the, between now and the end of August, what what can you do? Definitely need one, if not two, CDMs, defensive midfielders. You know. Um, and then probably a centre back, and if it was down to me, I'd love another right back. To be honest, yeah. like CDMs, I was bit. I thought we should have tried harder for Enzo Fernandez. To be fair, yeah, but if you're like, spending that money, that's outrageous. Yeah, I can't see it. But we didn't, I, even, I, we didn't even like tempt him in this way. Yeah. Um, if it is down to me, I'd be like. Get rid of this fifty million on uh, on Lavia. Put some money in for Caicedo. What? Yeah. Like we've got Europa League. That's what he's currently at. Like it was enough for McAllister to, to come, wasn't it? Yeah. Chelsea haven't got any European competition. That's the one thing I think Brighton have got to say to Caicedo is, oh, we've got champ- we've got Europa League. Chelsea have got nothing. Why not stay in the season? If we said, well, we can offer you exactly what they're offering, plus we're probably more likely to bounce back into the Champions League. I think it would be a bit more of a sway, to be fair. I'd like Caicedo. I think that would be a drastic improvement. The problem for for, for that is the, there's no doubt that Caicedo wants to leave. It's the fact that he's yeah. not the one that's got the power. So whether okay. or not... And we, I don't think... I, I wouldn't suggest... I think Brighton, like we spoke to... Um, Joe. The Brighton fan. Joe, that's his name. Yeah, sorry. I was going to say George, but that was the time fan. Um, he said he'd won 100 million. I don't, I don't think Liverpool... We've spent a hundred so far already. Yeah. I don't think we'd be spending two hundred million. The problem is that you might have a hundred to spend, but like we've said, it, there's other positions that need more money. than one player, probably. Yeah. I really like Bavia and I think he could be a great signing. But even still, that midfield is is inexperienced in the Premier League. If that because because before yeah. if you bring Lavia in and there's Fabinho and Henderson, or, although they are off the back of poor seasons you've got that option to play an experienced yeah. head. But now, if you go into the season and your midfield freeze, Lavia, McAllister and Suboslai, yeah. Lavia's had one season in a team completely different to Liverpool and Suboslai's never played in the Premier League. McAllister, obviously, you can trust, uh, you'd imagine, but still, it's a, it's a big step up in terms of the size of the club. So, you need, probably if you're going to get Lavia, you still need that established name, in my opinion, Unless this is another yeah. season of progression, I'd be going after a Kimmich. I'd be going after a Kimmich more than just being like. There was obviously rumours that he wanted to leave. I'd be like, oh, why not? Why not try? Is that undoubted? Why not try go for him? He want. There was reports that he wanted to leave. I don't know how true they are. I'm not a journalist. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, we should get Kimmich, but we should at least try and tempt him away. Yeah. You know, 
um, like United did with Casemiro. I thought that was a fantastic signing. Like when it first happened, obviously I know you're not a fan. We're we'll talking, we've spoken about that with um Carl, but I just think why wouldn't you try someone of maybe not even of that caliber, but someone with a bit more experience? Yeah, can't be putting all our hopes on a 19 year old who's just been relegated to hold that midfield position that's been the problem this season. We've lost our club captain and our vice captain the same season. That to me is just I get why they left. I get why they, I'm not bothered about Milner again, but I would not have got rid of Hendo bringing in all these new players. I think we needed another season out of him. Even if it's just till January, you know I'd or if we were going to get rid of Hendo, we shouldn't have got rid of Fabinho. But I think the problem is when they've got the money that they yeah. have offered both for the player and for the club. And I don't think Klopp's want to stand in the way of a player that like he wants that good atmosphere. I guess that's a, a big part of Liverpool. You need that unit. Um, yeah. and, and it is an opportunity to refresh the squad. I think there was a positive in that, that you needed you needed the next wave and you have you don't have a choice now but to, to start that. And it could be a really positive thing. Um, yeah. But like you say, that you probably like you're looking at the strike force. You've probably got experience in that area. You can trust Salah to to carry you if the other guys are struggling a bit. And there's enough of those yeah. other guys that you can kind of mix and match in the defense. You've probably got experience as well. And and like you say, they might you probably need another body at centre half if if you like Matip was yeah. falling off a little bit last season. Matip's and... falling off. Joe Gomez has never been incredible. Not since to be honest. Been. He had one good season, and then this season he's had one good game. Let's be honest. Yeah. If it was down to me, Liverpool need, firstly, guaranteed at least one defensive midfielder. Yeah. It's a shame we didn't go for like a Neves, to be honest. I think that would have been a fantastic signing. Absolutely. It's a shame we didn't go for like a Neves. I'd just nab him, nab somebody off another Premier League team, you know, like somebody a bit lower down, because there are, like a Paulinia from Fulham. Yeah, like there's got to be some sort of tempting him, and I know we've spoken to all these fans, and I've really enjoyed having them on. And they're obviously like love their players, like I would. Like I wouldn't sell Salah for for anything under 150 million, but you'd ask somebody else, and they'd say 100 million, you know, or 80 million. But we should be going for somebody who has Premier League experience. They're not gonna, they don't necessarily have to be in the team for the next 15 years or whatever, 10 years. But I think we need to get somebody in with a bit of Premier League experience who's just going to steady the ship for now. You know, just so, somebody who's going to do the like job. Hoiberg would be a great signing, yeah. I, I, I really think we should have gone for Neves. We should have done that last season. What's, we should have done it for the last three seasons, to be fair. What's interesting as well is, like, players have, like, every club's acted in, def- like, defensive midfielders have moved. Yeah. Like, the likes of Tonali wasn't outrageously expensive. Um, no. Rice was unbelievably expensive, but it's another one that's gone. The clubs have acted and, and they've done their business. A lot of the bigger yeah. clubs have, have made their big signings. Although you've made two signings that you needed to make, losing Fabinho and Henderson kind of not early on, I guess they would have been in the plan. I think that's, that's yeah. what would be annoying. It's like Milner went Milner's obviously was going to go. He didn't yeah. sign a con. He, Liverpool do the contracts around April time, don't they? They sort them before the season's out, so we know Milner was always going to go. I think I don't think it was ever part, ever part of the idea that he was going to stay. But Henderson was not something Klopp anticipated going into the transfer window. 
now it's Klopp's job or whoever's in charge of signings. I've forgotten his name. Um, they need to work together and get somebody in who's going to sort this out. Maybe we have to go for someone who's experienced from another league, you know. Yeah. But even if they're like 30, just get someone in who is class. Casemiro, I know you're not a fan, and he's not he's not the best CDM in the league. I'll stand by with you that. But would he improve? Did he improve Man United's defense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yes, yeah. he did. Do Liverpool need to do something like that? Yeah. And maybe Kimmich's really ambitious. But Tenali, like you said, went for 70 million, and we're saying 50 million for Lavia. No. There's got to be someone better out there. Even if they cost another 20 million, we've just got 40 off Fabinho. That wasn't anticipated either. There's extra 40 million in the budget there. Yeah. Get someone in who's going to steady this shift. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And it's saying too ambitious. Like as a as a Liverpool fan, not I mean as you being one, clearly, just to put make that clear. Yeah. Um, it, I think you're allowed to be ambitious at those. You mean you're allowed to be ambitious? Mate, mate we were one game off winning. A, we were a couple like wins off winning a quadruple last uh, the season before last, weren't we? We got that far. We're an ambitious club. We have got the Klopp is the only man who's ever got anywhere near Pep Guardiola, and I think Pep Guardiola is clear. Let me put that out there. He's clear of Klopp, obviously, but Klopp's challenged him, has he not? Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, no. I, We're I, an I, ambitious club. We're an ambitious club. We've got to get somebody in who's going to do just something that's going to help improve the squad, even if it is, like I say, for the next two years or even for the next year until somebody else is available yeah. who might, you know, might be better for the future. All, all you need but at the moment... And get one in, sorry? two in, get one that is the future and one that can take you yeah. to, to when they're ready. Yeah, and we've obviously got the cash because we've just sold Fabinho for £40 million. You know, and Hendo for 12, I think it ended up. That's enough to cover Lavia, which means the money we were already going to spend on Lavia could spend on somebody else. Yeah, no, I, I agree. As, as It just seems like Liverpool had unbelievable momentum a couple of seasons ago and you could yeah. see what improvements they needed last window and they didn't do it. And instead of keeping the momentum, they've halted it and you've almost got to start again. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm worried. I think this season is make or break for Liverpool. As in, we're either going to... I don't I don't think anyone's going to touch City for, for the league. And I don't think Arsenal are going to be an easy team to beat. They have, have Arsenal strengthened, 100%. Yeah. Declan Rice was a fantastic signing. People saying that was too much. No, I disagree. I think it was, I think, fair play. You know, they beat City to him. Fantastic. What can you say? Now... Liverpool need to either get somebody in, you know, go back in for Kimmich, please, or go in for like, I can't even think of another defensive midfielder who I'd want. Kimmich's the only one I've got in my mind. Maybe Valverde from Real Madrid would have been nice. You know, they want some money. Maybe if it, we could say, we'll offer you, we'll offer you 70 million for Valverde. You might persuade them to go after Mbappe. I don't know. I'm being very wishful here, but I'm desperate. I'm desperate for somebody who's going to just, sort this out because if we get Lavia again I don't want to sound ungrateful because this has been quite an active window for Liverpool we got the business done early we got two relatively big names in like McAllister I think is a fantastic signing and I think a lot of people would agree like he's a better version of Thiago isn't he he's more consistent and he's got yeah he's got just he's got his experience as well yeah 
Mr. Buzzlight is a nice signing. Like he looks good. I hadn't really watched much of him before. Um, you know, you can watch as many compilations as you like, but compilations are either going to be look at his best moments or they're going to be look at this flop. Like you know, we saw enough of those with Nunes. Seen enough of those with Hoyland, who's just joined United. But yeah, like that's nice. That is definitely an improvement in their progressive because we had nobody. It was Curtis Jones or Thiago doing that progressing, and now we've got two decent progressive midfielders. But now we've got no defensive midfielders. Yeah. Who's going to steady that shit? Yeah. So so looking ahead to next season, what's your what's your first of all your expectation? And kind of what's your what do you think is going to happen? What's your head and your heart saying basically? My heart is saying like realistically we just need to get Champions League next season. That's the minimum requirement. Um and Europa League, realistically, we should be getting to the semis at least. Uh, it depends, you know, which teams get dropped out of the Champions League. There's always like a Barcelona or a PSG or something like that that gets dropped into into that. And you never know, they might just pick it up and win it. Um, but Premier League needs to be a Champions League spot. I'm not saying title challenge because I think, like I said to you, I think City will walk the league again. Um, and I think Arsenal will be a tough team to challenge. So that's what I would suggest, really. But like I just said, it could be make or break. We either have to get to that point, otherwise we're going to end up like a United when they got rid of Fergie, or an Arsenal when they got rid of Wenger, who are just going to do like the same old for a couple of seasons and you know just be a loop. Yeah. Do you know what, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I, I think the start of the season will be important and you've got a couple of tough games really in that early run you've got yeah. Chelsea away with a new manager and then Bournemouth at home you'd expect to win then you've got Newcastle away yeah. which will be another tough game and then you've got Villa at home again another tough game so those first few games are, are really really going to be yeah. a test it's important, aren't they? and, it, and it, like the last season it it really took you a while to, to regain that momentum once, I once think starting hard... badly for a team like Liverpool is never a good sign. We don't have... Like, City always start the season off, don't they, for them. And you're a bit like, oh, but you know they'll bounce back. There's no guarantee with Liverpool that that's going to happen. Um, Arsenal as well. Do you remember when they lost the first three in a row? Yeah. They just You get inside your own head, don't you? I think you need to start well to start building that momentum and be the team that people don't want to play. Last season... My dad's a Wolves fan. Last season, oh, we've got you this week. We'll probably smash you 8-0. You probably will. They did. They smashed us 3-0. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, I just wish we'd sign a midfielder. And if we get Lavia, like, I think we will. I think we'll get Lavia. I think it'll get to the point where Klopp's like, yeah, get him in. But I think there needs to be another signing in there. That's the thing I would say. Lavia would be lovely and it would be an addition to the midfield and it would be what we're after. It depends how much he wants to play by Zetic, I suppose. But I just think you can't... Why does City play so well? Rodri. Rodri is fantastic. Rodri is probably player for, like, one of the best in that team. Top three, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. Casemiro for United. Yeah. Bruno Gomares, we've seen his um, importance to Newcastle. Declan Rice for West Ham. You know, these players are 
pivotal. They are pivotal to their teams. They are match deciders. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. You need you need Davia for, for without a doubt, and, and I, think, I agree. You need experience in that midfield too, um, and and that will obviously we'll be doing our Premier League predictions next week, um, both our ultimate and our official Premier League um, predictions. So yeah. that will be if there's something to look out for. If there's no signings by then, then it'll be interesting to see. Like we could if be we talking about yeah, a complete different signing. I'll be worried. Yeah. Um, but no spoilers here. Is there anything you wanna anything else you wanna discuss while we're on the on the Liverpool front there? Um I think I think to be honest, I think Nunes has a lot to prove as well. Yeah. He's been he's been trusted a lot with that number nine shirt. I probably, if it's down to me, wouldn't have given it to him straight away. I'd have probably held it open. And if he if he did perform this season, there you go, it's yours. If not, right, well, we need to get somebody in who's going to do it. Or, yeah. or Gakpo, you know. We've already got those options. Um, what do you think the front three will be? I, I Well, Salah's got his place, isn't yeah. it? I think we'll start off the season with Salah on the right, Gakpo on the centre, and Jota on the left, to be honest. Nunes, uh, surely or, Nunes or Diaz. he's got a start, surely. Yeah, but... I think Gak I I really think Gakpo is going to be incredible this season. Yeah. He settled in. He he did quite well despite coming in in January into a struggling into a struggling team, sorry. And I do think Jota's probably one of the top 3 we have, some of the top 3 attackers. Like it's a bit of a risk putting out a Nunes, isn't it? Whereas Jota you do know he's going to give his all. Yeah. He's yeah. a he's a workhorse. He does try. Yeah. Um, so I'd say that, and Klopp obviously, you know, Jota when he's fit is fantastic. Yeah. Well, there you go. Our final final guess. Liverpool. Please get Kimmy. I was, Please. I was expecting maybe more positivity from from you, but clearly you're. Oh, I'm nervous, a, man. A bit I'm nervous. nervous about this one. Um, give me, you know, give me Kimmy. Ha- I'll pay you all the money I've got. Yeah. We've got a, an end of season, no, not an end of season, start of season extravaganza <laughs> with V2V Sports next week. So you'll have to uh, up the confidence level to, to back yourself in that one. Mate, after my FPL disaster as well, I've got no confidence. Yeah. Do I even know anything about football anymore? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. I'm um, not happy with my FPL draft either, I've got to say. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's definitely a, a discussion <laughs> in, in the way. In it. There will be podcasts coming out of our ears next week because obviously we've got the ultimate... Um, Ultimate Premier League prediction, sorry, our Premier League prediction, and the uh, B2B Sports one as well. Uh, as, as, as also, we might be making some guest appearances on some other podcasts as well next week. So keep your eyes peeled mm-hmm. on the Twitter at the Corridor Pod for that because we're going to be everywhere next week. I think it's possible that we'll I'm doing a podcast every day. Um, really? So uh, that's going to be interesting. Um, but yeah, make keep your eyes peeled. It, like I said earlier, this series has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, in this episode especially thank you to our Man City fan Crunk Chocolate um, from the Shades of Blue podcast and then of course thank you to our Arsenal Man United fan in the name of football um, podcast Carl and Ash um, it was an absolute pleasure to have you both on uh, make sure you yeah. check out everybody from this episode and all the series have been absolutely great guys and we're sure to have them on throughout the season as well um, where's Mike thank you Ben you got any uh, final words oh yeah and, and Ben obviously is, is uh, always I- at the corridor pod um 
No, I just echo what you say, really. Really thankful for all the guys who've taken time out of their schedules to um, come and chat with us. Really enjoyed it. I'm really thankful for them for sharing us around as well. You know, we've definitely just like expanded our our um, our pool of people we know now. And it's yeah, really 100%. nice. We'll try and get as many of them on as we can throughout the season to say, ha, I told you that... Uh, Casemiro is rubbish. <laughs> Casemiro is rubbish and Hoyland is going to score less than Nunes. Actually, the, the funny thing, there's two guys in our team who have a bet on. One's a United fan and says that Hoyland's going to outscore Nunes. And one's a, United, a Liverpool fan who says that Nunes is going to start outscore Hoyland. Who's that? Matt and Owen. Matt and Owen, they've got that going. That they've got 50 that. quid on it. 50 quid? Jesus. I said, can I get involved? I think Haaland's going to outscore both of them combined. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good one. They that. told me to go away. Yeah, okay. That'll be something to keep an eye on. Um, but yeah, thank you. thanks again. Um, and we'll see you next week. Um, podcast, like I say, coming out of Maria's, so... We will see you then. Have a lovely weekend. We're off to Plymouth. Make sure you keep an eye on the TikTok. We're trying to get on the TikTok this weekend because uh, the corridor is going on tour to Plymouth away for Huddersfield. Probably our first one on tour. Yeah, we'd definitely look to do a few more of those this season. But yeah, Plymouth on tour this weekend. Championship Ooh. starts. Queen's Park Rangers are going up. Or staying up. Or... Queen's Park Rangers are maybe going to be should, Maybe we should interview you. Oh, I think be less Depressing, <laughs> depressing <laughs> thing you'll ever hear. Um, but yeah, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Cheers.